Welcome to the Leader Impact Podcast. We are a community of leaders with a network in over 350 cities around the world dedicated to optimizing our personal, professional, and spiritual lives to have impact. This show is where we have a chance to listen and engage with leaders who are living this out. We love talking with leaders, so if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions to make the show even better, please let us know. The best way to stay connected in Canada is through our newsletter at leaderimpact.ca or on social media at Leader Impact. And if you're listening from outside of Canada, check out our website at leaderimpact.com. I'm your host, Lisa Peters, and welcome to our podcast with Calvin Quack. Calvin is the founder and owner of Brightmark, a Salesforce consultancy based in Toronto. He has spent the last 15 years consulting with hundreds of companies on how to deliver stellar customer relationship management experiences through the adoption of cloud technologies. Calvin understands the specialized needs and true potential of Salesforce for companies in the financial services sector and has developed a practice helping nonprofits take advantage of Salesforce and related technologies. Before Brightmark, Calvin co-founded another 4 million Salesforce consulting firm called Shift CRM. And then he ventured a little further on his entrepreneurial journey, and in 2021, he co-founded LumaShield, a Canadian manufacturer of the highest performing mobile air purifiers, specifically designed to clean larger spaces. They invented their own air purifier that cleans the air three to five times faster than other brands to help customers achieve higher levels of clean air changes per hour, a solution that is mobile and easy to deploy. As LumaShield CEO, Calvin leads their go-to market strategy and business development. He is on a mission to help organizations achieve the highest levels of indoor air quality in their community spaces. He wants to help communities flourish by bringing their people back together indoors safely. Welcome to the show, Calvin. I am super excited to chat with you about bigger financial risks, bigger, bigger steps and having a joyfully generous year. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, so I'm going to tell everybody that um, this morning I sent Calvin the link and it was seven in the morning. And unfortunately, I am a female who's, you know, got to do everything. And I was in my pajamas. I sent Calvin the link and then I follow up with a quick email to say, hey, you know, in case you didn't get the link, uh, you know, it goes to junk. Calvin clicks on and I'm in my PJ. So Calvin, we're like besties now. <laughs> Yes, I um, I like to be prepared, and and I wanted to make sure everything was going to work. So, yeah, but uh, it was nice yeah. to catch you yeah. in that, and I think you just look just as great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah so um, it's it. I'm really excited to chat with you. I know that you've got some uh, some different things on the go. Amazing that you started a company right during. I mean, it's an air purifier right during COVID. How cool is that? But. Um, so exciting that you just, you kept the momentum going, you know, as an entrepreneur and that spirit, just, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something. So I'm excited to get going on this. I know you have a, a, a great personal, professional and spiritual journey. So we're going to jump in. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So I am, um, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself because I, I love hearing a little bit about people, you know, and I know that's important just to sort of hear a little snippet of who Calvin is and maybe a funny or memorable story from your childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, um, I actually was born in Singapore and uh, we moved to Canada in 94 when I was about 10 years old. And so, 
you know, a lot of my childhood memories is really about making that transition, you know, from Singapore uh, being a city country uh, and moving to uh, Vancouver, BC, where I, where I grew up. And, um, you know, so it certainly just loved having that much more space and lots more nature. I mean, you know, British Columbia is just beautiful. Yeah. Vancouver is a beautiful city to grow up in. Um, but I actually moved out to uh, Toronto in um, 2004, and I've been in Toronto uh, ever since. Met my then girlfriend, now wife, um, Peggy, and we've got two kids, uh, Haley and Elias. Uh, so they're, um, you know, one of each, you know, keeps yeah. us uh, <laughs> on our toes. And One in but, each hand, I always say. That's enough. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> that's That was our thought, uh, which actually leads me to the uh, maybe a memorable childhood memory. So I remember um, I was 14 years old. We were having dinner and my mom basically shared that she, she was expecting another child. <laughs> and uh, I'm 14. My younger brother, Casey, was 10 at the time. So basically it had been 10 years um, where it was just the two of us, and all of a sudden she springs this uh, news that we're going to have uh, our third brother, Cullen. And uh, I remember just standing up at the, the kitchen table in shock, like, really? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, fond memories of, uh, you know, helping helping out with uh, with Cullen, mm. uh, you know, who, you know, as a baby, changing his diapers, and I'll, I'll always hold that to him. And then four years after that, we actually got another brother, Cohen, um, and, um, you know, so yeah. <laughs> wow. That, that's a big gap for a woman. You know, usually we just, we, we put them, you know, not that we put them out, but like we mm-hmm. have them together. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I think for the, for my parents to wait that long, I, I kind of joke and say that they were just waiting till my brother Casey and I were old enough yes. to help out. And, and then they had those extra hands. Yeah. That, that is why they do it. Yes, Calvin. <laughs> so you are right. Oh, man. Um, so your brothers to this day, you hold it against them that you change their diapers and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. These yeah. will be things that will be shared at, you know, Cullen's wedding oh, day for sure. And um, but uh, no, they're, they're great. And actually, uh, a number of them, you know, a couple of my brothers have worked for me uh, oh. with with, uh, with my business. So it's been okay. it's been good. Yeah. So is your, your family um, was in Vancouver? Did some of them move to Toronto? Yeah, so so Cullen actually moved out uh, to Toronto to uh, come work with me, and so he's actually in the consulting space now with Salesforce, um, too. Uh, and then my my youngest brother is actually studying business at Simon Fraser University, and but in the summers he's actually been helping us out uh, with uh, consulting work too. You know, just Good. a great uh, skill for him to learn uh, technology and and how to work with businesses or consult with businesses. So mm-hmm. yeah, he actually just reached out and wants to work with us again, starting in May. Yeah. Good. Oh, it's nice to have family there with you. Good. So we're going to switch. Um, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your two companies. Um, I'm excited to hear about them because Brightmark and LumaShield are, I mean, they're two very different companies. So we got a, a, a CRM and then a mobile air purifier. So I'd like to hear more about that. And I'm wondering if you had any of those pivotal moments that, you know, maybe the switch or, you know, you, we talked about Salesforce, but, and then you went on to shift CRM and just so many different pivots and any moments that you can share with us that, you know, the view, the listeners would be like, yeah, I get that. Those are, those are big ones. So. Yeah. You know, so I, I think with Brightmark, um, you know, I've been doing Salesforce for so long. I worked at Salesforce as one of the earlier employees there. 
And, um, and Brightmark is actually my second consulting business focused on Salesforce. So, you know, for me, that's certainly been a big part of my career and my skill set is working with businesses and organizations, um, you know, helping them figure out their business um, processes and, and how those things could be improved with technology. And more recently, I'd actually been spending more time with nonprofits uh, as well, because I really felt um, this desire to leverage those skills um, for, you know, these nonprofits who very much need that help and may not always be able to afford my services. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I already was sensing maybe in the last couple of years, definitely during the pandemic, the sense of, you know, are there other things that I could be doing? And um, really through um, through a network of um, you know, other business people um, in my faith community that I'm connected with, you know, I, I, I met Maurice, who is my partner with LumiShield. And Maurice is an inventor. You know, he runs a lighting design firm. He designs these beautiful lighted mirrors and, um, you know, things that you would see at, um, you know, in hotels or the airport or even at the mall. And um, he also wanted to start applying his skills towards something that could help with the pandemic. So he's the one that invented um, the air purifier in its current form. And, um, you know, and, and so when we started talking, you know, I really got the sense that, you know, he needed help kind of bring it to market, right? That he had this great product, but we need to figure out how to get this out to customers and, and start building that brand. And for me, you know, I, I think a lot of these things uh, are things that I've always enjoyed with starting a business, um, is, you know, building that brand, forming a team, figuring out uh, all those sorts of things. So I think from that side, I, I felt like I, I had sufficient background, but I'm <laughs> certainly learning a lot about manufacturing, um, you know, getting very hands-on and ordering parts and, you know, all these sorts of things that I would never need to do in the software business that I'm, I'm getting hands-on with now. Um, but again, what I love is that it's a tangible product, right? You can see, mm-hmm. you can touch and you can experience um, the, the air purifier and also know that it's making a difference, you know, and yeah. it's something that can help, um, help people. Yeah. Right. I love, and, and that's really, um, I love that about it is that, you know, you feel that you are making a difference and you are, I mean, air purifiers right now are a big thing. How is Lumishield doing right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been a lot more challenging getting into the market as we thought. Um, you know, I think part of it is, you know, we, we only started the company last summer and uh, our product was ready to start shipping um, um, this this past month. And so I think part of it is there's obviously a lot of changes happening right now, um, you know, with uh, mandates being lifted and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies that we are talking to are interested, but they're also a bit fatigued, you know, with thinking mm-hmm. about um, doing something about um, about COVID. So um, I think we're we're still very optimistic. We've got some great partners um, through Staples and a few others that are representing us now, and it could be more of a timing thing, right? And yeah. and so yeah, I think depending wherever you are in Canada or around the world, the rules are different. You know, uh, I'm in Saskatchewan, you're in Toronto. You know, people mm-hmm. listening are all around the world, and not everyone is is. I mean, by, maybe by the time this airs, everyone will be open, but. Um, we're all in a different space. And, you know, you talk about fatigue and people are just like, oh, I'm so done, you know, and I'm sure CEOs and, and buyers, it's just like, I just need a break mm-hmm. or, you know, so um, yeah. I, I know you'll do great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, we were just thinking, you know, Asia, there are countries in Asia, for instance, that are act- still 
experiencing, you know, yeah. increased cases and things. So, yeah, I think it's really going to be about uh, doing that research, making more connections, getting the word out there that we have a great option uh, to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the customer relationship management guy. <laughs> That's so right. Yeah. There you go. So how is Brightmark? I mean, yeah. Um, you, yeah, you, so you have a niche, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So with Brightmark, um, you know, and, and actually Brightmark's really what's allowed me to spend more time, you know, building up this new company is mm. I've got, I built a great team. You know, when I started Brightmark, uh, I found some really good people um, to um, kind of work for me and, and some of them actually are now partnered with me. And um, they, you know, we're, we're in the financial services industry. So, you know, it's, it's a key industry for Canada. Uh, it's a great market to be in. And yeah, definitely with everyone working from home, there's been a lot greater emphasis uh, for our clients to figure out how to uh, allow for that to happen, right? That the staff have everything they need technology-wise, um, CRM-wise to, to do their work from home. Uh, yeah. So yeah, our, our business has continued to thrive. And, um, you know, we're in, in fact, uh, you know, I think with, um, we're excited to just get out there and start meeting our clients again. You know, we've been you know, we were using Zoom before most people started using Zoom. And so I think there's this <laughs> sense of let's get back out there and spend time with our clients uh, in person. Yeah, I, I wonder if some people can really resonate with, you know, um, uh, the, you know, Brightmark was doing well uh, or yeah. And then you start a new company and I'm sure, you know what, it's kind of a side gig. It's a passion. It's a love. And, but you still have to do the other job. You know, we, we need to make money. I get that. But when you get to sort of put your passion into something and, you know, making the world better, making the rooms better that we walk into, the air is better. Like, I, I love that. So, mm -hmm. so thanks. Cause that's a good thing. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you uh, before we sort of switch into um, what we really want to talk about. And uh, I mean, we talked generously giving, cause I think you're a, great topic for that or a great person to talk about um some of the best professional advice you have ever received have you ever you know what can you share with us oh yeah I, i've learned so much um you know i i i can think of for instance my first manager at salesforce um you know one of his mottos that he taught the the sales team was never never uh, never sorry better better never best better better never best so this this sense that you know we can always do better um and, and don't kind of just settle on thinking that you're the best. And I think that that is so applicable in so many ways, but just really, for me, it sparks the sense of intentionality um, to improve and to learn. So I think, you know, if you think that you're the best, I, I think there may be that tendency not to keep kind of learning and growing and developing. Um, but if you, if you say, hey, you know, there's people that are smarter than me, better than me, um, whether it's a competitor or what have you, then I'm going to think about, well, what do I need to do about that? What can I do to, um, to improve? So I think that's something that's really stuck with me in everything, uh, whether it's small, small things like preparing for a meeting uh, or asking for feedback um, and, and asking, well, how could I do better? It's uh, that word intentional, I feel. And I don't know if it's just in my current leadership journey, that word is just, I feel like it's my word of the year. Just be intentional in your leadership, you know, be intentional in what you're doing. You know, I just, so I, I mm -hmm. really, that's my word of the year. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, a big one for me. It's something I use a lot with yeah. um, anyone I talk to, whether it's my staff or partners or people that I mentor is, you know, um, bring that level of intentionality to all aspects of your life, right? Not just the workplace, 
um, but with her family, with her kids, you know, and I, I think that is, you know, what would that look like, right? If, if you were intentional and not yeah. just multitasking and, and being torn in so many different directions as, yeah. as, that, as that can happen. That's a great comment. All right. Well, we're going to transition a bit um, because I think many people, you know, you talked about, or well, I sort of mentioned just that passion, right? You, you know, you went from one company and really wanted to make a difference. And a lot of people want to connect their connect their passion with their careers. And we all want to love what we do all day. And some of us don't, but we, ad- we really do admire those people that do. And uh, where I think the struggle is how to, is really to understand how does, you know, a CRM company and then a mobile air purifier company, how does it integrate? into your spiritual side. So, you know, because we, you know, like, I think we don't all need to work for a not-for-profit or go on a a missions trip or be a pastor to make a difference. Mm -hmm. We can make a difference as a CRM company or a mobile air purifier or uh, a secretary. We can make a difference being intentional. So my question for you is just, I'd like you to, you know, share right now about integrating your, Mm -hmm. your spiritual side into your career and professional. Because we all can do it. it. It's just what level do we do it at and be intentional? You know, we all have skills. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a great question. So for me, I think about the contrast between uh, my first consulting business shift that I started or with a, a number of other partners and what I ended up doing with Brightmark. So I think at shift, what I, you know, when I thought about being intentional in terms of just giving back, you know, I, I think it was more of a bit of an afterthought, right? So as we made money, we made profits, I would say, okay, I'm going to set aside some of that uh, for, you know, my church or these these charities. Um, but it wasn't really an integrated part of our essence as an organization that we didn't see it as really just kind of the fruits of being successful in business. Mm-hmm. With Rightmark, I really looked at it as, you know, well, one, it was easier because I owned the business, so I could make a lot of those decisions. But I, I, I you know, I, I really told myself that it's this can't, this Brightmark can't exist just to generate more profits for me, um, to just keep growing my my own kind of portfolio or nest egg, and also just looking at beyond just the money, but saying, hey, we have this really valuable set of skills and experiences, and actually, Salesforce has a great set of products specifically for nonprofits. They have a very generous program where they donate licenses and they offer big discounts. But what's missing there is they need um, you know, consultants like us to help these charities actually discover um, this technology. And because a lot of them think Salesforce, oh, you know, that's not for a nonprofit, that's for you know, a big enterprise company. And so a lot of my time was really just shifting into saying, well, I'm going to spend more time just um, educating uh, these charities on on what it is, and so I think that's where things really started to come alive for me. Is I could look at um, Brightmark as a business, not just to generate money that I could give, but then also leverage my skill set, leverage my team, and actually yeah. that's been really ex- fun too. Is to involve my employees. You know, we give them uh, actual like paid volunteer um, hours or days each quarter that they can use to give back to charities as well. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to be more integrated. Um, and then, of course, with the air purifier business, that that's kind of taken a whole different form because now it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think the nice thing for Marisa and I is because we both have our respective companies. When we started LumiShield, we didn't we didn't need it to d- generate income for us right away. And I think that's been really freeing for us to say, you know what, let's leave the money 
the cash in the business to help it grow so that we can have a, a, a broader reach, a broader impact on more organizations. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, you know, there's a school that, that ordered, um, you know, six units from us recently that we'll be delivering to. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just excited because they, they can use that to make it easier for them to resume their extracurricular activities. Um, so I think that for us has been really cool just to be in a more tangible yeah. way uh, to give back. Yeah. I think I wonder, you know, as I listen to you, giving back is good business because, you you know, and not that we do it to receive, but it, it is good business. So I, I wonder, did you, this is like an odd question, like, did you, did you grow up? Did you watch your parents do this? You know, have, have you sort of grown up in that? Um, you know, my parents, their legacy to you is I'm going to teach you how to give. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. You know, so I I would say probably one of the earlier examples that I saw was my grandfather. uh, He was an architect in Singapore and he gifted um, our, our house there um, to my, to my father. And it was really that gift that allowed us to move to Canada because we ended up selling that house and then buying our our house in, in BC. And so that, you know, early on, there's definitely been great examples. My grandmothers, um, who've, you know, both passed away, um, you know, were very generous people and, and just not just monetarily, but just in serving and, and making sure that we were fed, the kids were fed first before they even started eating. And so I, I've had some great examples like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say that um, for me, the biggest kind of, kind of transformation was probably um, when I sold my first consulting business, Shift, uh, that was back in 2014, um, you know, soon after that, I was invited to this experience called a Journey of Generosity, uh, and it's a retreat. It's a, it was an overnight retreat. Uh, as couples, were, you know, there were 10 couples invited, and we spent time with the facilitator uh, named Stephen, who is a very successful um, home builder in Ottawa. And who we later found out actually sponsored or paid for all of our hotel and meals to actually be there with him. Wow. And, you know, we were essentially part of the, this experience where we could enter into this discussion on, you know, what does generosity really mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does money mean to us? You know, um, you know, is it something that is used to just, um, you know, kind of help us buy whatever we may need to, 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 to be happy and, 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 or is there more, you know, that, um, you know, more to that and, and also really explore, you know, um, our hearts when it comes to money, right. Is, is there, is money kind of so important to us that it might be getting away of, of more important things. So anyways, that experience was, um, I would say game changing just to kind of, of, um, kind of hear these, uh, and watch these stories of very generous people, people that had achieved, huge success in business. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in business and deciding to give almost all of it away. And and for me, that was very jarring. Like I'd always thought that yeah, I'd never ever considered that as a possibility until you hear these examples. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so for my wife, Peggy and I, that was very transformational in, in our journey. It caused us to really think about um, you know, is there, do we ever have that finish line? You know, will we ever be satisfied with how much we have, uh, the, you know, do we need that bigger house? Do we need more cars? Do we, and so on and so forth, or, you know, what could it look like if we were content and, and we're able to almost kind of break that cycle 
of what society often tells us, you know, we should mm-hmm. be doing, which is make more, buy more stuff and, and, and have more stuff. Yeah. And uh, frankly, it's brought a lot of freedom and joy to us. And it's a journey. You know, I think that's a big thing is uh, over the years, you know, we it's caused us to think about um, some of the decisions that we've made financially. Um, but then also then the other piece, which is being able to start um, giving away more but doing that more strategically and actually partnering with charities um, versus just, you know, being very reactive. Right. So in journey of generosity, is it just about, um, because generosity can mean so much more, right? It can be generous with your Mm -hmm. time, generous with your, you know, your, your money. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it sort of cover both? Because I think of, um, you know, bright Mark where you are, don't, you know, you're donating your time to mm-hmm. some of the charity groups to help them with their CRM. That's giving of your time. I mean, ultimately it's money um, you're not making, but it, you know, you're asking your team yourself to give of your time. And, and sometimes I wonder if people think that's all I have right now. And I don't yes. know if you can, well, how yeah. can you answer that? Like, I don't have any extra money, Calvin. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I, yeah, and that's a really good point. So when I think of generosity, I, I think to be generous, it's not just about money. I think it's it is also time, which for some, you know, I've met people that are are very happy to write, you know, a bigger check to a charity, but it's so hard to get their time and um, and then talent, right? I would say yeah. the skills, the gifts, the abilities um, that you possess, the experience that you have, I think that's hugely valuable and sometimes more so than money. Um, but I. I you know, frankly, for me, I look at it holistically, right, is, is when I give, I want to be able to almost combine those things together. um, So that that can be more effective, I don't want to just give my time. But if the charity actually needs some dollars to fund that project, um, I'm going to do that. And, um, and, and or, you know, give, give of my skills. So I, I think that there are many ways for people to be generous without, you know, even if they don't have money, um, just by again, I'm going to bring that that I word back of intentionality is okay. You know, I, I may not have the the dollars in the bank right now, but what else could I do to help? And I think that's the important question that we each need to to reflect on. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just starting the conversation of how I can give generously. And right now, it it might be small. And mm-hmm. as you continue and you move on, um, is there? And you you just you mentioned this about the finish line because I sometimes think in life, right. Um, we get that and then we go, oh, that's not enough. And we get, we want the next thing. And I, I sometimes mm-hmm. wonder, where does it stop? When do you stop? Or have you, have you found that in your heart? Have you come to some sort of, it's got to stop? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could say that, you know, for instance, I love cars. And, um, you know, so I'll use that as an example where I've gradually over the years driven faster and faster and nicer cars. And, you know, I'm a big Audi guy. And, and then I, I just realized, I just came to this point where, you know, I keep upgrading my cars, I, I lease my cars. So every two, three years, I'm changing it. I'm, I'm getting something more expensive and even faster. And I realized that, you know, you know even with my current car, um, that I get bored and, and of it. And I almost start itching for the next thing. And I realized, well, am I going to just keep buying, you know, an even more and more expensive cars? So actually, what I recently did is I ordered... Uh, a new car that is is half the price of my current car, because I realized that it's still going to be pretty fun to drive, still got got plenty of power, but um, you know it's it's half the cost, which is significant. 
Um, and, um, you know, so that was just something for me that I had to do to start breaking that cycle. Uh, I think one of the other big decisions that Peggy and I made is we decided not to upsize and buy a detached house. You know, we live in Richmond Hill. Um, here it's just north of, of Toronto, beautiful neighborhood. And, um, you know, the detached houses are really expensive and even more so now. But we made that decision to stay in our townhouse, um, which is it has plenty of room. It's an older townhouse, so definitely a bit more spacious than the newer builds that they do today. Um, but um, that was huge for us because we didn't we don't have a big mortgage, um, and it's actually just freed us up uh, where we don't have that big financial obligation. And and you know as as you may know, if you you know the bigger the house, you just end up just buying more stuff and spending more anyways to maintain it. Or no, Calvin. It. For women, we just have to clean a bigger house. Yes, that's you. <laughs> I'm so done. I mean, I get a cleaning lady, but no, I, I want to teach my kids how to clean. But it's it's yeah, go yeah. small. So, but you know, look, I mean, there there are times where I say, oh, it would be really nice if we had a bigger house so we could host more people. But you know, we we actually, you know, and this is a, one of those pandemic things. We actually, uh, you know, started doing more in our backyard and, and getting some patio furniture and just taking advantage of the space that we do have. And, um, you know, I, I think, again, just that that sense of contentment and not feeling um, like we need to keep kind of getting more things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the car. Is that a begrudgingly? Are you like... <laughs> Because I, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a nice car. My husband's always, you know, doesn't understand. And my car's old, but it's, you know, I like it. Yes. Yeah. Are um, you okay? You know, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel um, about it, as as I'm sure I'll miss what I, I have. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I, it, it's also nice knowing that I don't have this huge car payment every month either, right? So I think that's, that's, that's good, too. So I want to bring up, because I think sometimes people... Um, They'll, they'll throw this at us, uh, you know, uh, about, and, you know, it's totally slipping my mind, but the love of money is the root of all, e or, you know, money is the root of all evil. And it's mm -hmm. not, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love. Mm -hmm. And I, people throw that in our, in, in a Christian's face, right? Cause they, you know, yeah, you don't want to have money. You want to give it all away. And because I'm like, no, no, you're, you're reading into that. It's, it's the love. It's the obsession. It's the, I want bigger, better. That's that's where the, you know, that's not from your heart. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, so I appreciate your story. I, I know. And I, good luck with the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, when did you start giving, like, when did this all start for you giving generously? Cause I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I've said this before. I'm not afraid. I'm 52 and I'm finding life changing. I'm ready to just stop with keeping up with the, you know, Joneses as I would just you know mm -hmm. put in air quotations. And, but, but I'm older and I just wonder, you know, so I want to ask you, cause you're younger than me, and, but when did it start for you? When did you start this journey? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think, um, so as I mentioned that journey of generosity, we'll call it a jog for short. Um, that was 2015. So I think that's, that was the turning point because I was actually expecting some lump sum payments to be made to me for, from the, the prior business sale. So it was just perfect time to think about, okay, are we just going to take that, those lump sum payments and, you know, again, up, upsize, upgrade and, or put it all in our, our investment portfolio and let it grow even more? Um, or are we going to maybe consider carving out a bit more of, a, of that to make a difference earlier? And, and I'm a big thing about um, just 
you know, opportunity cost, right? So a lot of people, you know, think, hey, I'm just going to build this huge portfolio. And when I die, I'll donate that to charity. And, and for me, I, what I think about is really, you know, and everyone's familiar with compound interest, but they always think about it in terms of financial terms. But I think what they forget about is the impact that our money could have in, in helping charities, helping, you know, ministries and, and good work to be done now and all the lives that could be changed. You know, I'm 39 this year for reference. So, you know, as I started giving, um, you know, seven years ago, in my early 30s, who knows how many more lives I could impact when I'm in my 70s, right? Or, or wherever, whenever I pass. And so I think that was important. Uh, I would say, again, it's a journey. You know, it, it, we didn't suddenly jump to this huge percentage of our income right away. I think it took time to slowly just start to ramp it up and give more and give more. And and I will, will safely say that, um, you know, it, it still hasn't frankly reached this point where I've really felt that it, it hurts to give. And, you know, and some people might, might, might like, you know, try to, to do that, but, you know, I, I don't think it, ha- and, and I think part of it is, you know, look, we're, we're really just fortunate to be here in Canada, right. That, you know, and so I think some people think that you have to be rich to be generous and that's not the case. In fact, I think it actually gets harder um, as you accumulate more to give that away, um, you know, when you're richer. So I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's really just been, um, in small and big things, we've just allowed, um, this, this, uh, extra thought around, yeah, do we really need this? Um, you know, will, you know, or could we not, right. Not buy that thing and and give more. Yeah. Make that decision. Be intentional. So this morning when I you caught me in my pajamas, uh, we talked for a little bit. You mentioned something about multiple impact. And I just, I know, I looked it up and it talks, what I found in Wikipedia was uh, theorizing that there are several smaller impacts throughout the course of the Earth's formation. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was yeah, that's not it. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it's multiple impacts. So tell right. us what it means to you. Yes. Yeah, so I am. Um, so my I have a, a mentor, um, someone that I've been journeying with um, for years now. His name's Greg Henselman, and that's Greg of Two Gs. And uh, he was actually uh, part of Power to Change. And then uh, more recently, he started his um, own um, kind of organization called Multiplied Impact. Okay. And uh, and so you know, it's an organization that's looking to help um, you know professionals and business people. Um, kind of develop a bigger kind of vision and purpose for their lives. And, um, you know, having that, that, you know, kind of this ability to start integrating, you know, their faith, their work or their business, their family and all, you know, their money and all these other aspects uh, really with this view of potentially a greater purpose. And, And the way I describe it is most of us have plans. We make plans, whether, you know, if you're starting a new business you're going to have some kind of business plan. If you are saving money and putting money aside, you probably have some type of financial plan or budget. But very few of us, I think, in life have a, you know, kind of this plan or vision for our lives. Like, what is this impact? What is this legacy that we want to have in the world, you know, when when we die? And, and, um, and I so... That's really um, what Greg and I have been working on. We started a, a group together with a number of other uh, business guys. Some of them were business owners. Some of them were, were professionals. Um, but we've been journeying together to really explore uh, what it means to be more intentional 
and to kind of take bigger steps. Um, you know, I think we're all feeling a bit of the a bit of that status quo, a bit of um, maybe a bit of stagnation, where um, we're kind of itching for something more. And I'm sure we all have that feeling at some point, right? We want to feel like that purpose is more than you know just our day jobs or what have you. And um, so, and and I think a, a big part of that when we get to the multiplied impact part is you know if we can help more people discover more about the, uh, what it means to integrate all these things together and to, to have a bigger purpose, a grander purpose, um, you know, that we can really, um, you know, have that multiplier effect, uh, which I love. And, I, and you know, I'm in, in building consulting business, for example, I'm a big believer in, in teaching and training my, my staff and getting them to uh, kind of that higher level, because frankly, they they will bring more value to our clients and to our business. And so I just love that idea of, of just journeying with other people. Um, some of them I'm mentoring now who are younger professionals earlier in their careers, and just that ability to start to get them thinking bigger uh, and thinking longer term uh, has been really exciting for them because they can start to see that connection of where they're at so far and where they would like to be and again, you know, being more intentional about that. Yeah, you use the word stagnation, and uh, that that word just just came and hit me as I as I think of the last two and a half years. Mm, That's what we've, yes. you know, some of us just feel like we've been living there, you know, and mm. it's 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 it. We have to come out of it, and we ha- we have to intentionally get out of this, and we have to, you know. And I found myself at a networking event the other day, and I, I was kind of dumbfounded. I, and I'm, I surprised myself and I, I had to leave. Like I, I couldn't, I'm like, I need to, I need to, you know, meet more people. And mm-hmm. uh, but that stagnation you just talked about, you know, I think we're all feeling that. And so if somebody wants to learn more about multiplied impact, is there, because I don't know how big you are or, you know, is there a website that people can just learn more or what little steps they can do, how they can, you know, multiply their impact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there is a website for Multiplied Impact. Um, it, I think it's multipliedimpact.com. Okay. And, um, and, and actually, Greg wrote a book, and, and it's a book um, called What Are You Trusting God For? that actually takes people through this exploration um, and this kind of sense of that, uh, you know, we were created for something bigger and something more purposeful. And just the joy that can come with that, right, of, of starting to kind of unleash that potential in each of us. And so um, there are great resources on that website. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I'm very reachable on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the easiest or fastest way to reach me. And, you know, um, happy to have conversations with people if they want to kind of learn more about that movement. Yeah. Good. So um, over the past many years i know that you've been involved in leader impact but i just want to ask you know how how were you because not i mean right now a lot of groups are meeting online or virtual and and it's all but you've had some involvement with leader impact in the past and i I love to share that because i think there's different ways that people can get involved so tell us a little bit about your involvement yeah so i i mean i i have actually visited with a leader impact group here in in the um kind of the york region you know um where where i'm in and um and but I, I actually you know have connected leader impact in a few other ways. One is uh, is on that consulting side as as they think about 
um, technology to manage this growing group of all these business people and professionals, you know, not just in Canada, but globally, it's a, it's a big movement and more and more people are getting involved. So, you know, I, I've certainly been trying to give back some of my kind of skills there just to advise on ways that, you know, they can leverage technology for that purpose. Uh, my, my father, Peter, is actually uh, actively involved in Leader Impact as well in BC. So I've been supporting him financially, too, as well as supporting the, um, you know, kind of the Leader Impact kind of national fund. Yeah. That's funny, because I just got an email and saw your dad's name on it. Or actually, I saw Peter Quack, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's related to Calvin. I didn't even put it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gave us some advice. So <laughs> that's good. Um, so I just want to talk about, you know, any group that, because Leader Impact has groups and, you know, we meet around the world and anyone can join. They're free to join. We do amazing studies, but I'd like you to give some advice just to joining a group, you know, mm -hmm. if it, whatever group it is. And I mean, we would love you to yes. join ours, but just why is it important to join a group? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think that, um, you'll certainly, for instance, during the pandemic, um, I think we all re realized that, you know, when you're locked down, you can't even leave your house, you know, except for essentials, that it can get pretty lonely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that's really sustained me uh, in terms of that, you know, community and connection is being part of a group, right? So I am part of uh, a couple groups, you know, one, and one of that group is with these other Christian business people and, um, and professionals. And so they you know, our, our ability to just connect, um, you know, regularly touch base, share what's going on with our businesses, work, um, kind of definitely explore something spiritually and, and finding ways to grow, finding ways to give back. Um, you know, I think that's been just really beneficial for me personally and for one another, um, just back to the sense of, yeah, like we want to keep growing, we want to keep learning. And, you know, what better way than to learn from, others and sometimes you know we may be in different industries you know we different kinds of jobs but it's actually really cool to kind of see how we can each be used in different ways yeah. uh, just where we have been placed that's a great answer well done all right well i always ask my guests two final questions um so I'll, so you're gonna get it um leader impact is about your impact through your leadership so have, and you talked a little bit, well, we talked a little about legacy, but have you considered the legacy you want to leave your faith legacy when you leave this world? Yeah. So, um, and, and that is definitely something I've been working on, uh, and fine tuning, um, as part of my kind of time of Greg as a mentor. And, and so I would say for me, it's really, I want to use my, um, skills and experience in technology to help nonprofits and, and ministries be more effective and be more efficient. Um, right now it started with more consulting and kind of one-to-one, -one, but my, my hope is one day, you know, soon I'll be able to start building products and solutions that, um, you know, uh, where I can actually deploy to many nonprofits, uh, at once. So this kind of this one-to-many or that multiplier effect. So yeah, I'd love to develop, you know, products or apps that, you know, nonprofits could use to, you know, again, to do more. Um, because a lot of them just lack the resources internally to actually invest in, you know, R&D and business improvements and process improvements. So I think, a, you know, a more, you know, kind of scalable way and for me to have a bigger impact is to start designing solutions that benefit, you know, many organizations and not just one at a time. Yeah. 
I, lo- I love, I mean, just the whole concept of use your skills, your talents to make a difference. So great legacy you will leave, Calvin. And my final question, to which I ask everybody is, what brings you joy? Oh, yeah, lots of things bring me joy. I mean, definitely giving. I'd be remiss to say that, you know, giving and, and has always brought joy. And just to see things like, for instance, a, a well in Africa and seeing a whole village getting access to clean water, that brings tons of joy. Um, but, you know, I mean, selfishly or more personally, I'm a big foodie, so love to eat. Uh, being in Toronto is great because we experience many, many different uh, cultures of, of food. And um, and so that's been great. And so I think the other piece of that is travel. You know, I, I'm very much looking oh. forward to to traveling again uh, with the family and, and going to experience different places, different cultures, and most importantly, their food. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you, Calvin. It has been it has been fun to spend the last forty plus minutes with you, and just hearing a little bit more about you and your involvement with the journey of generosity. Right, journey of generosity. That's right. Amazing, yeah. and uh, and I appreciate you just using your time, your talent to share with us and with with the groups around you, because I believe everyone has talent, and we just have to find it, and and we can share, and that's mm-hmm. how we will make impact. So. Um, so thank you. It has been a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Lisa. So um, now this ends our podcast with you. But if anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, uh, engage with you in any way, where where can they find you? You'd mentioned LinkedIn. Is that probably the best spot? Or yeah, yeah. That that's definitely the probably the, the fastest way to reach me is on LinkedIn, and and I'm pretty active there and in networking and messaging. So yeah, reach out that way. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Calvin. It's been awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, if you are part of Leader Impact, you can always discuss or share this podcast with your group. And if you are not yet in a Leader Impact group, we would love to have you. So check out our groups available in Canada at leaderimpact.ca. Or if you're listening from anywhere else in the world, check out leaderimpact.com or get in touch with us by email info at leaderimpact.ca and we will connect you. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a comment, give us a rating or review. This will help other global leaders find our podcast. Thank you for engaging with us. And remember, impact starts with you.